You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato, founder of Red Knight Properties. And today we have a very special guest here with us. Uh, I want to appreciate him for coming on this show with us, uh, Lane Kawaka. I say that right, Lane? Yeah, close enough. Simple Passive Cash Flow is easier. SimplePassiveCashflow.com. And uh, Lane is a currently, he's a, a city project engineer and uh, has a master's degree in civil engineering and a bachelor's in industrial engineering. And um, actually, he's pretty involved in um, commercial real estate, and he focuses on um, value-add multifamily, um, active and passive investing. Uh, he's a co-owner of MPFE Investments, which currently owns over you know 260 plus units. And as as Lane just said, he's the manager of uh, the Simple Passive Cash Flow Fund, which uh, you can find pretty easily online. He's got his uh, own podcast uh, from SimplePassiveCashFlow.com, and um, you know Lane has a pretty good story and. Uh, what we're going to focus on today is, you know, um, you know, Lane's a professional in corporate America and is frustrated on the traditional wealth building dogma when, you know, you kind of climb the corporate ladder and that's the only way to grow. And um, now he's been investing a lot in uh, value-add multifamily real estate and helping other people uh, do the same to achieve financial freedom. Um, so we want to focus today on uh, a topic surrounded your total financial wealth uh, well-being. So we're going to talk about, you know, some of the things that sophisticated investors are doing today. Um, we're going to talk about syndications, some um, diversification methods you can do. Um, and we'll talk about SDRAs, SDIRAs a little bit, QRPs, and, um, you know, how to vet uh, syndications and uh, private placement memorandums that you might get as a passive investor. So uh, again, I want to appreciate you, Lane, for coming on and Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me, Anthony. Aloha, everybody. Great. So, Selene, you want to quickly just, uh, I, hopefully I did a good introduction for you. I, hopefully I gave you a lot of justice that you deserve. Yeah, yeah. So um, maybe I'll kind of just start with my little bit of my story. Um, I grew up here in Hawaii, went to school because that's what my parents brainwashed me to do is go to school, get a good job, um, became an engineer, and... Um, Luckily or unluckily, I didn't really enjoy my first two years of working. I mean, who does as the new guy at work? Um, but I was saving up a lot of money to buy a house to live in, which I don't necessarily agree with as good financial advice. But that's what I did because, again, I was brainwashed like anybody else that, that's in a high-paying job. Um, I realized that that house that I lived in, because I was traveling on the road so much, I was never there. It was just kind of a waste of money. So I just decided to rent it out. And my rents that I brought in were like 2200 a month. And my PITI was 1600 So for a young 20-year-old something kid, that was a lot of beer money back then. <laughs> and then I realized, like, I just have to keep doing this and keep buying properties. And that's my ticket out of the rat race. Sure. No, it makes a lot of sense. And so when you had that moment, you know, what, what led you to start, you know, simple passive cash flow 
and and I, I believe you still work as a civil engineer, correct? And you're able to kind of do both. Um. So so I started that first rental property I bought was way back when in 2009. Yeah. So since then, I mean, it took me like five six years to get up to 11 rental properties, and then another couple years of you know, tinker and toiling after that. Then I kind of started making Simple Passive Cash Flow, the podcast in 2016. So there was a lot of years in there that I think a lot of people don't realize where I just was kind of just saving up capital and deploying it into one rental property at a time and kind of building up my net worth. I mean, I started from pretty much zero net worth. Luckily, I didn't have too many student debt. But, um, you know, like, this is real estate investing. If you don't have money, you can't invest, dude. Right? Like <laughs> I talk to a lot of guys and they don't have any money. And I'm like, well, you got a money problem. You got to figure out how to, you know, free up some cash flow and your personal expenses and just save up capital. Um, but yeah, eventually I did quit my day job a year ago. Finally. Oh, congrats. <laughs> but, Good. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's great. So for, for our listeners here, it doesn't happen overnight. It, it takes a lot of time and a lot of planning um, and a lot of effort that, that, you know, Lane just talked about. So, yeah. so can he kind of, yeah, go ahead. And the big, the big thing for me was like, I was able to save 30 to $60,000 every single year. And you do that for five, six, seven years, it grows. And when it, when you invested in things that are making 10, 20% a year, you know, it's just math at, at, you know, do the math for yourself, watch it grow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so can you kind of talk about what simplepassivecashflow.com is now and, and what your, your goals are um, and your basically your, your uh, new, new career, somewhat new career, uh, yeah. full-time career? Yeah, so in 2016, I mean I, I mean, I guess a lot of my friends were asking me like what I was doing from like 2010 to 2015. And we all have friends who ask us why we buy in this rental property in Birmingham or Atlanta where we haven't even visited. We don't even see the property as remote investors. And I, I would like spend hours explaining to them how I did it and how they can get involved and do it themselves. And you know, this, this sounds silly, but nobody does anything, right? It's just wasting your time. And so what does any, but any engineer do, but then just record the damn thing and then just say, well, just go listen to the first 10 podcasts, right? It's all about buying remote rentals. If you can't do that, don't waste my time, you know, because there's a lot of people out there. When I started to make the podcast, a lot of people started to kind of connect with me and who were super motivated and they actually followed through. And as much as I'd like to help out my friends, you know, it's kind of a waste of time if they're not going to do anything. So the, the podcast started as like a follow my journey. You know, at the time I was still buying single family homes, just trying to get out the rat race. And then of course it's kind of changed as, you know, I've gotten up to 11 single family homes and I realize kind of like on the path that you found that single family homes, rental properties, owning it directly isn't the way that the wealthy do things. They, they go into syndications, private placements, you know, they invest in multifamily syndications, mobile home parks, life settlements, all kinds of things, right? Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And it's, it's important because you hit the nail on the head when you're buying single family or even, even up to four units. It's, 
you have to maintain your certain income threshold. It's harder to qualify for loans. It's going to take a person who wants to be financially free. They can get there, but it's going to take a very long time. And you can get there a lot quicker if you work very hard and you do what you say you're, you're going to do and take action through you know, a multifamily syndication, whether that's in investing, putting one together or investing passively. Um, so I want to dive into a little bit um, more on the, the passive investing side. Uh, that's where a lot of my audience wants to learn about. Um, can you kind of talk about some different methods that they may not have heard of yet, like SDIRAs and QRPs and HSAs? Like, you know, can people, if they don't have the cash, you know, liquid and available, and they don't want to pull from the stock market, you know, um, Vanguard account, are there other ways to still get involved as a passive investor in uh, syndications? Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, like as you said earlier, you're going to need money to invest. So if you don't have any liquidity, well, you got to raid your retirement accounts. And I was like this up until maybe a handful of years ago. It, taking money out of your retirement account is like a sin, right? Everybody is like, oh my God, don't do that. That's naughty. Don't do that. Right. But I'll tell you, like run the numbers yourself. Like if you're able to make way more returns, more conservatively on a real asset, as opposed to the stock market, which is all fake money in my opinion. Um, and you know, it's, I think it's more conservative going into real assets than the stock market. Um, but you're going to have to come with the, that decision on your own. I mean, it took me five, six years of investing in rental properties for me to get proof of concept to kind of pull the plug and, you know, withdraw my entire self-directed Roth IRA and then finally my whole 401k. So it, it, it takes a while and it, it's difficult when you have that whole cubicle mindset around you of your peer group saying that you know, you're, that's your retirement account. And, and, and let me get one thing straight. Like if, if you're going to withdraw from your retirement account and go buy a jet ski or a car, like this is not for you. But if you're going to put it into a long-term investment, well, do run the numbers yourself. The numbers will tell you what to do. I a hundred percent agree. Um, and that's a good uh, metaphor to, to kind of use and to, uh, you know, direct people uh, that, you know, if you're going to withdraw from your, retirement account, like, like Lane said, a 401k IRA, there's going to be, especially if you're, you know, less than age 65, uh, there's going to be some penalties, but it might be worth it. If you look at the, uh, you know, the, the relative risks versus the returns that you can get in investing in, you know, hard assets, uh, like, like Lane and, and, and myself too, which is, um, you know, multifamily. Uh, Lane, so could you kind of uh, talk a little bit more about, uh, what types of multifamily are you investing in? Is it A, B, C product? Um, and what areas? And also, um, you know, once you identify the property, what's the thing that investors should look for when they're evaluating investing in, in uh, multifamily? It comes down to the company that's bringing them the deal too. So if you kind of talk about that, that vetting process as well. Yeah, so what's my buy, my buy box primarily are secondary and tertiary markets where the population and there's good economies. So that's typically in the south and southeast areas. Um, I, I, I like more B class. I'll do a little, I used, 
I used to do a little bit more class C, but class C as we see with the whole coronavirus thing, and they kind of get beat up. The first to get laid off, and those those guys barely have any savings. It's just difficult, and collections are really hard to get from those guys. So you kind of stay away from class C unless it's in a class B plus better area. Um, yeah, I don't go to the luxury end. I, I kind of stay in the affordable to workforce housing type of clientele. Um, I like more stabilized assets. Um, call me a faint of heart, but I like non-recourse debt, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. So to get that, you need to get 90% occupied or more buildings. Um, and, you know, value adds great, but you know, it increases the risk, right? So I, I kind of stay between three to $6,000 a rehab per unit. So we're usually changing out the flooring, new appliances, but we're not doing huge, huge renovations like ripping out counter, um, countertops or new cabinets. I mean, we're painting cabinets, but we're not, we're not getting up into the six to $15,000 rehab per unit range. So, you know, talking under market properties for the most part, that are under market 50, 100 bucks per unit. And then when you do those light improvements, you're able to bump it up at least another 50 bucks per unit. Um, and then kind of your last question as a passive investor, what's my, what's my uh, process for due diligence? Well, it's 50% the person, 50% the numbers. Um, I don't invest unless I have a personal relationship with somebody that I can call a buddy that has invested with the operator in the past. If I don't know them, I don't invest. Um, there's just too many good operators out there that I do know. Um, and then, you know, luckily I know how to underwrite deals. So I pull the rent rolls and the PLs myself. I put it into my analyzer and I just spot check and like, what is the operator doing? What kind of assumptions are they using? Are they using the right reversion cap rates? Um, they better not be using 3% or more rent increases annual escalator per year. You know, things like that. I, you know, luckily, I can decode the code, but most passive investors don't have a clue how to do that, which is why you know, what you hear about on a lot of podcasts is like, oh, invest with the person, which makes sense if you're not a numbers kind of guy. You can't, you can't decode the code. You know, just go invest with a nice guy that you get along with, I guess. But to me, it's a 50-50 split between the person and numbers and it makes a lot of sense and it definitely if you're investing passively um typically we could go into this it's a whole different show but usually you have to have some sort of accreditation or um you have to have a substantial amount of business knowledge in the first place um in order to even be considered to come in into an investment uh, syndication that you put together um so i think what, what you said is is really important um, for passive investors to to vet um, the model that uh, the operator is showing and the projections, your pro forma rents. And uh, don't be afraid to ask some questions because, um, you know, if they're not willing to answer questions, then that's a, that's a big red flag right there um, for sure. Um, you know, because you really want to understand the numbers as well. The person can be great, but, you know, if the numbers don't make sense or there are questions um, that aren't properly answered and, uh, makes sense. And that's a, that's a red flag. Um, so I'll add on to that, that like, you know, when you, when you look at a, a pitch deck or a syndication deck, 
Like there's nothing in there that's going to tell a passive investor that if it's a good deal or not, you're not getting any of the raw data and, you know, just maybe call me devil's advocate, but like talking to a syndicator like myself, will do you no good. I mean, I can t answer your questions in my sleep. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and it, and it, 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 I think as if I'm a passive investor, that's a waste of my time. Um, what I would do is I would focus my time on building my own personal network with other passive investors that don't have a dog in the fight that aren't going to get paid some referral fee or whatnot. Easier said than done though, right? Because like these passive investors, they're not at the local RIA or some free internet forum, right? It's usually filled with a bunch of broke people that aren't able to invest in these type of deals. Sure. As much as I like to talk to investors, I'm just saying, you know, like, don't talk to me. I'm a syndicator, right? Like that's not the, uh, you're just gonna, you, we know what you're going to get, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's a great um, point. Um, at least for, for, for myself, it typically, if someone's looking to vet me and my company, I'm sure you do the same thing. Uh, like you said, I usually have, I direct them to other past investors who invested in the past, um, with, with my company as an example or, or your company uh, to get their opinion because like you said, you're going to get one answer if you talk to the syndicator. Um, but I, I think that uh, referral too is, 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 is interesting. Um, can, can you kind of talk a little bit more about uh, your rules of investing a little more? So I said, you, you mentioned you're really buying stabilized products. So you're really, what are, what are like three things you're looking for when you're evaluating a property as, as a passive investor? Um, it sounds like income is, is one of them for sure. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, like I, I'm looking for cash flow, right? Cause I mean, up until not too recently, like my goal was to replace my income at my day job. So cash flow today is important. So, you know, I'm looking at properties that are stabilized from the get go and um, are cash flowing day one. Now you might have to wait a couple quarters for the cash reserves in the, uh, the deal to kind of build up the pay distributions to investors. But from a PL standpoint, from the trailing 12 months or 24 months, you should still, you should see it in the black and making money. So that's an important thing for me. I've been kind of moving away from that because I don't really need to put food on the table lately. Cause after you go into a couple dozen of these deals, you know, you should, it should work, right? I mean, that's why you're doing it. And you, right. maybe you want to take some bigger swings at it, um, try out some development type of deals, more riskier stuff. But my my philosophy is like when you're new or start off with the cash flow stuff first. Sure, no, that's, that's really important. Um, as opposed to a complete gut renovation where you might not even have occupancy. You might your occupancy might be at fifty percent, and your underwriting is just based upon stabilizing to 90%, let's just say within six months. And maybe that, maybe that is achievable, but maybe it's not. But if you're first getting into it, you might want to start out with a little bit more stabilized deal, um, as, as you mentioned, which makes a lot of sense. Um, well, great. We're, we're, we're going to wind this down a little bit, uh, Lane. Uh, usually I ask some, some three pretty easy questions at the end of each show. Uh, the first one being, uh, do you have a favorite you know, business or real estate book that you've read recently or in your lifetime? Um, I like uh, Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. I think there's a lot of good fundamentals in that book. But, you know, I think after you read that book, 
I, I would urge just people not to read books. I just see too many people just wasting time. There's a lot of my students are, I, I just see them getting bogged down. I mean, like I would spend the time analyzing deals if you're still doing, you know, single family home stuff, doing it yourself or using that time to go and network with other high net worth accredited investors and build your database that way. Sure. Makes, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you got to have some foundation in the first place. Uh, I'm sure you can agree with that, but um, I think a lot of people get into analysis paralysis, especially when they're first starting out. I think that's what you're referring to. Don't right. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, like, we all as human beings, we want to feel good about ourselves. Right. And by reading a book, we feel like we're making progress. But at the end of the day, at the end of the quarter of the year, did we buy anything or did we just like make her feel self feel good? Right. That's what you have to ask yourself. Sure. Sure. Makes a lot of sense. Um, number two would be, do you have a, a role model that you look up to in the, whether it's real estate or in life in general? Um, I mean, everybody has their flaws, right? Myself included. Um, I don't know. I, I've seen something really recently, Matthew McConaughey, that already, already, already guy. He is saying like his hero was his self 10 years in the future. But kind of deciding what you want to do and kind of just keep going after it. And the funny thing is that it always stays, you're always chasing. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and lastly, what are your hobbies outside of investing? Uh, well, living here in Hawaii, I don't surf. <laughs> I probably should get outside more, but I don't know, man. I'm just kind of like looking for deals and, you know, mostly just, you know, just working. Um, I like to do some CrossFit. I like to stay in shape. Um, I like it mostly because it doesn't take too much time. But, but um, yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Well, Lane, how can people find you? Um, they can check out podcasts at simplepassivecashflow.com. And um, if you guys want to get in touch with me, Lane at simplepassivecashflow.com is my email. Great. And we'll have that, um, all that information Lane just mentioned in the comments section on uh, iTunes and uh, our social media. So you can reach out to Lane. And um, yeah, this is, uh, it was a great show. Thanks again for, for coming on the show, Lane. Uh, Definitely learned a lot and hopefully our listeners did as well and uh, hope to have you on again and, and see where you're at uh, next year. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Appreciate for having me, Anthony. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Lane.